The car business is rapidly changing and modern car dealers are meeting the demand. I'm Michael Cirillo, and together we're going to explore what it takes to create a thriving dealership and life in the retail automotive industry. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with subject matter experts that are designed to help you grow. This is The Dealer Playbook. Doug and Andrew McIver are the stars of Bargain Brothers, a reality TV series that provides an irreverent but honest look at their used car operation ride time and how they're on a mission to change the public's opinion of used car salespeople through transparent, honest, and generally awesome customer service. They're third-generation dealers who grew up in the business and who have, been, who have a deep understanding of how important customer care is to achieving success. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me here on the Dealer Playbook podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So uh, I'm, I've, I've always kind of kept an eye on the two of you from a man, you know, if it, it, they're on to something here because, because you have a situation that is relatable and that you're a family business, but then you've broken the mold completely as what I would submit the standouts, especially in the Canadian market of dealers who aren't well, who have proven that it's okay to kind of like poke fun at yourself and, and, and that you, you don't always have to be this white collar, you know, hoity toity, like whatever. Oh, I'm so professional and we take <laughs> pride and blah, blah, blah. So I want to, I want to ask you, right? Because our, I, I think our human nature, maybe it's preservation mode. Maybe, maybe we just, have this innate desire to be more professional than we are and not make fools of ourselves and not, you know, we're maybe overthink everything. Maybe we want to do something funny, but we overthink it. How, how have you guys found the balance? Like, have you always just been kind of crazy people and zany like this and just said like, screw it, we're going to go for it. Or was there an aha moment where you were like, Hey, we got to let people in, in a, in a greater way to, to build a presence in the market. Yeah. So I, I'll jump in there. My, my brother and my dad had started this business, uh, in 2007. My dad was a franchise dealer for a long time. And at one time was the largest, uh, Chrysler store in Canada by volume. Um, when the stores had all closed and my brother and him had started this business, it was the two of them. Um, I'd come back from playing pro hockey, uh, in 2010, uh, 2011. And our dad within a year had passed away. So through uh, the great help, and I love giving him a shout out, Paul Potratz at the time was our, our ad agency. And he said, you know, you guys now are the face of the business. We have to come up with a way of branding, branding you two. Um, to your point about being more professional than you probably are, uh, you know, Andrew has a really good story that I'll let him tell about he wore a suit. He dealt with a customer one day dressed in normal attire, and the next day he wore a suit. And the difference between the customer's reaction of him in a suit versus normal attire was immense. But before he tells that, we, you know, we always talk about we're selling cars to people and people buy, you know, $100,000 Teslas, which are sold to, you know, $4,000 trade-ins. Um, and people are just normal people, right? And they, they want to deal with normal people. And I'll let him tell the story, but I really think that if you dress past your customer, right, there's a problem, right? And uh, you can dress to be comfortable and, and make everyone feel welcome in your establishment. 
Yeah, it comes down to what we sell, right? We, you know, we do sell bread and butter vehicles for the most part. So, you know, we sell, you know, everyday vehicles to everyday people. Uh, the truth of it, going to the story that Doug kind of told and then told me to retell, uh, <laughs> there was a, a customer that came in and I was wearing, you know, uh, everyday clothes. We hadn't gone to our uniform, which our uniform is actually a polo shirt and jeans. And uh, I was wearing just street clothes. The next day I woke up that morning and I said, you know what, I'm going to dress like I used to dress when I was at the dealership. And that was, you know, the really nice suit, the tie, the shirt, the whole nine yards show up. And the guy that I got along with like amazing yesterday, he was like my newest best friend. I came in the next day and he literally would not talk to me. Mm. And I had to try and figure out why that was. And, you know, we, we got to the bottom of it and he goes, listen, you dress like my boss. I hate my boss. Right. And, and he added an example. He goes, I, I had a friend, he was a really good friend. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, he becomes the foreman and every day he's showing up in a suit. He completely changed. I hate him. I never want to deal with somebody that dresses in a suit. And it was an aha moment for us uh, that, you know, again, we want to meet the customer where they are and we want to seem approachable. Cause I remember going to the dealership every once in a while and if I dressed really, really nice, I'd have some people come up to me and say, you look like a banker, right? And if you think of it this way, a decent percentage of your population or uh, customer base hate bankers. Why? Because bankers tell them no, mm. right? So it, depending on what your customer base is and, 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 you know, truthfully, when we started this company back, you know, in 2007 and, you know, I tracked that all the way back to 2010, we were 90% non-prime, right? That was the, the core of our business at that time. And going back to it, you don't want to dress like a banker when 90% of your customer is in the non-prime space because going back, what I just said, bankers tell them no, right? right? And they have bad connotations with that. And, you know, you always talk about what would you do if you're able to start a dealership from scratch? Well, truthfully, when we started this company back in 2007, we were finally able to get rid of all the rules that the franchise dealers had, right? Now, truthfully, you, as an independent, you give up one set of problems for another. You don't have a factory telling you what to do, but you have issues getting lenders, right? You always trade one set of problems for another, but we were able to create something from scratch and said, if I could, would I, and how would I do it? And you know, we've, we've made some decisions that I think have benefited us. And one of those going back to what you said is, you know, our relaxed atmosphere overall and yeah, not taking ourselves too seriously. I'm intrigued by it because, and I love it because the, what both of you have just described is a thought process that like, it really just shows how much thought has gone into this, how strategic it actually is. Most people, I, I think of, you know, my early days in the industry where I was like sued up because that was all the dude, you know, Jim Alpha Doug Ziegler here and, blah, blah, you know, and they were all wearing suits and, you know, all these sorts of things. And you think, well, that's the way it has to be. And you go to some sort of whatever leadership seminar and they're like, the first thing they look at is your shoes and how shiny are you, you know, and all that kind of stuff, like kind of this old school, you know, you must be clean shaven. And, I remember doing all of that and it probably impressed maybe the the old dogs in the industry that kind of grew up with that. But then you realize, like to your point, how important it is to know your audience and who am I actually trying to build a relationship with? 
And I love what you're saying about a boss because the minute the minute somebody feels like they're your boss, even if they like you as a quote unquote boss, they're still going to treat you different because you're the boss. And so I think that's that's really really interesting that you framed it out that way. Um, what do you say to dealers? Like, what advice would you give them who are maybe thinking, who have had these similar thoughts, but who have not yet pulled the trigger because they're maybe too afraid to try it out? What, what would you say to them to, to maybe ease their, their minds? Yeah, one thing we talk about all the time is consolidation in our industry, right? As, um, uh, and it's across all verticals, but as everyone keeps getting bigger, right, the small guys disappear, and once all the small guys are gone, the medium guys will be the small guys, right? That's something we always mm-hmm. talk about, that if we're not growing, we're actually dying. At some point, right, you're going to have to make a decision to differentiate yourself and allow yourself to grab uh, the consumer's attention in the market or you will be gone, right? And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to wear a dress, you know, because we do talk about, you know, we've done some really wacky commercials and and we totally understand if we had a, you know, a brand behind us, you know, a Ford logo in our building or, a, you know, a Stellantis or whatever, right? Right. Uh, they would tell us that, you know, that's just not appropriate, right? You can't be going out and doing a dress, but you have to get your personality out there because people do buy from people and people, um, you know, we're luckily to be in a group with you with uh, Glenn Lundy and the 800% Club. Um, you, you have to be willing to to be that place that people want to go and deal with. Right. And uh, your personality is the easiest way to connect with those people and just being a modern relevant store, right. Mm -hmm. Which is people want to follow those stories. That's where I was going with Glenn Lundy. You know, he built a business on every week um, sharing those wins and losses, right. People want to support people, but they can't support you really if they don't know you. Right. So uh, I guess that's my advice to the dealers. Yeah. That are thinking about, this is an appropriate time. I, we, we have to look at this. I'm going to share my screen. We have to watch. For those that are listening audio only, we're about uh-huh. to watch one of the Bargain Brothers commercials. Uh, you're going to hear it. And I think we need to frame this up. You guys actually shared this with me earlier today. And I've watched it probably seven times. I'm not going to lie because I think it's hilarious. But it is a testament of you know what you're talking about. And, and so I guess I want to watch this or you guys can listen to it. And then I want to maybe just dissect your process a little bit. Like, what does this actually look like? Because it looks like there's a, you know, there's, there's obviously some measure of storyboarding or like you're, you're, you're up to something. So I want to, I think this would be really cool to dissect this. So uh, for those that are listening, this is a commercial produced by, uh, Doug and Andrew, it's satirical. It's current events because we just had an election, uh, <laughs> kind of useless election right now in Canada at time of recording this. Um, and this is taking advantage of current events and getting in front of the market. Um, I'm seeing on Facebook, and I don't know where else it's been published, but I'm I'm seeing two, just shy of two thousand views, which organically i think is tremendous especially since facebook hates everybody these days so i'm going to hit play on this uh and let's let's just watch this real quick in manitoba we believe in conservative prices and at ride time our approvals could not be more liberal 
Our NDP approach will not only get you the vehicle you want, but the payments you deserve. So save the green, throw a party, and find your next vehicle at Ride Time, located at 87 Oak Point Highway in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Now please don't block us on Facebook. Give us a like instead for our bad puns and political humor. That's all you needed, right? Yep. All right, let's get out of here. You think anyone knows we're not wearing pants? I hope not. Okay. I love everything about this. I'm sitting here cracking up while we're while we're watching this. So <laughs> what we just, for, for the listener only, what we just watched is there's different political parties in Canada. They all have names. The, the, the Brothers of Bargains took advantage of the names to implement into their script and really share their why buy value proposition with with the market and it's so brilliantly done but then the last piece is kind of the behind the scenes you can hear the bell ring like the all right cut you know kind of bell and then they're like sweet is you get everything you need and you see the green screen behind them and then they walk off and as they're walking off you see that they're just in their boxer shorts you know wearing nice suit jackets and boxer shorts how long does it take to put something like that together well, I mean, I'll let it, Andrew, that was actually Andrew's idea. Um, we do have, uh, and this kind of wraps into everything we're talking about. We, we finally, uh, after years and years of discussing it, we hired a full-time in-house videographer. Mm. He's uh, very, very talented script writing. Um, but this is an idea that Andrew had that basically went to him. He wrote out the script and, um, you know, came up with the idea for some of the visuals and, and what we did, but, yeah, I will give this 100% credit to my dad. You know, the truth is, way back when my dad was, uh, you know, he was very cutting edge on the marketing that he would do. And he always had the idea of, of doing something like this. And the la- I can remember being in the dealership, him talking about the political ad that he wanted to do. And it was, you know, liberal. And this was before we had the Green Party. But he talked about liberal, uh, liberal approvals, conservative prices, and no down payment NDP, which is another political party in Canada. So that was his idea, but we had an election coming up and we wanted to everything the we've done TV ads. And the interesting part about TV ads, everything has to go through Telecaster. For those aren't familiar in Canada, if you said today that I want to do an ad for something that was going to happen tomorrow, well, you would have to figure it out 14 days minimum in the past to then have it because it, there's this approval process that has to go through in Canada. So the power of digital uh, marketing is I could get an idea today. It, as long as it takes me to film it, that's how long it would take me to get it up. So we knew we had the federal election coming up. We wanted to do something topical. And part of our success that we've figured out is visually appealing ads perform better. So we had to figure out something that was visually appealing or something that would catch people off guard. And as we were storyboarding it out, what could we do? Well, what if we're not wearing pants? So, you know, there are elements that we have been able to take from our previous TV commercials or videos that we've made. And we, we have a formula that we know in the past that's worked. We just have to, you know, find a way to jig it around to, to make it, work for us. I just, the, the one thing I just want to throw that was interesting about this is, uh, I tried running it as an ad on Facebook denied can't run political ads. Mm. Okay. And then, okay, well it's not a political ad, 
right? Because we, we had it done like almost five, six days before the election. And we wanted to run it as an ad. Uh, we're going to review it. So uh, they review it. Uh, you know, 48 hours later, nope, you can't run political ads. You have to register. I had to go, anyways, I go through this entire process to be able to buy political ads. So I had to give, you know, my license, my, like, right. I had to do, I think, a video selfie. That took, like, four or five days. I got approved to run political ads, and there's, like, a, a disclaimer, you know, and it said this ad's been bought by the whatever party, right? right. So <laughs> I got approved the morning after the election, finally, to start buying political ads, and there would be, like, this disclaimer that this ad's been approved and purchased by Ride Time. Right. And it is so stupid, but... Uh, uh, yeah, there's just an interesting aside to us. I love so the we, the agility, right? So, so you were talking about your dad. Are you saying kind of the agility to move like that stemmed from him? Was that part of even when you guys were in the franchise business? He was always coming up with wild and crazy ideas, right, for different stuff that he was allowed to or that he wanted to do. And the interesting part, you know, he had a Chrysler store and he was out, able to advertise a certain way with his Chrysler store. When he acquired his Volkswagen store uh, in Toronto, he tried to advertise the same way. Well, Volkswagen came down on him like really, really hard because they said, that's not how we do business. And those are the the constraints that he always, and I'll I'll back everything up. One story that always stands out in my mind, he was the number one dealer in Canada at the time, right? By volume, biggest store Mm -hmm. in Canada. Uh, And I remember there was a, a buy here, pay here lot out of a trailer in the front of where we used to go to movies at a strip mall at a strip mall. And he, we're going to this, this place to go to a movie. And he looks at me and he looks at this dirt lot basically and said, that's the dream. And I was so caught off guard at the moment because here's his beautiful dealership. He has, he went through a remodel. He had a restaurant inside the dealership. He was one of the first people to do that. And I, as you know, a younger kid, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out why he would give it all up, right? If you think of it that way, to then own this buy here, pay here lot. And the truth was, he always felt very, very constrained by the factory, right? They always made up all these rules that, that dictated how he had to run his own business and he hated it. And, uh, so some of the ideas that he came up with, right? And I told this story at his funeral. Um, Winnipeg, uh, there was a time, and I, I think it was 84 or 85, the Pope came to visit uh, Winnipeg. And Portage Avenue, those who've uh, been Winnipeg, haven't been in Winnipeg, it's, you know, one of our main streets. And uh, the Pope and Midway <coughs> Chrysler, which was uh, the store that we had in, in Winnipeg, was on Portage, and the Pope literally came right by the dealership. And as a baby, I was on the top of the roof and uh, as the Pope drove by, my dad wanted to have a sale and he was thinking that he was going to hire father uh, Guido Sarducci, which was a SNL character. And he was going to have a sale where everything in the front of the line got a full blessing. Everything in the, the second row, that was a half a blessing. Everything in the back row, that was no blessing at all. Those are sold as is, right? That was his idea. And he was always coming up with those crazy, crazy ideas. And <laughs> he thought it was brilliant. He took it to his dad and, <laughs> and his dad lost it. Said, what, what are you doing? We can never advertise like that. 
but those were, you know, that that's what made him. And, you know, a lot of that rubbed off on us that it's okay to take risks, right? It's okay. It, it's way better to be memorable than to have uh, an ad that appeals to everybody because the more vanilla your ad is, it appeals to nobody, right? right? right. So, you know, we, we've had it that we've upset some people with our ads. Uh, a lot of people. <laughs> and, and they've fallen on both sides of it. But if you're getting some reaction, that's way better than getting no reaction at all. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. No, I, I have young kids, right? And that one of the things I, I'm, I'm focusing on instilling is the sooner they realize it doesn't matter. You don't have to be liked by everybody, right? You have to be yourself, right? And um, uh, that's the truth. Like you said, we've run, you know, we ran a Donald Trump ad which we thought was going to be hilarious, right? Where we were, we were two Donald Trumps. We hired a professional Donald Trump voice and uh, um, uh, voiceover voiceover guy. Uh, you know, we were building walls around high prices, right? <laughs> we were, uh, uh, what was the other thing we did in there? Anyways, we were making uh, car buying great again. Yeah, making car buying great again, right? Uh, kissing baby, shaking hands. Uh, Awkward it, handshake. It was total, it was a total spoof. I had friends, you know, cause I've got family and stuff in the U S I had friends that said, Hey, you're being too tough on Trump. Hey, you're not being tough enough, but it had nothing to do with politics. Right. Right. We ran it during the summer Olympics leading up to the, the election. And I like, it was my idea. And I said, listen, if Trump ends up winning, right. If Trump ends up winning the election and we've run this all the way up and we keep running it, think of the play we'll get. Right. Well, it's going along. Some people are laughing, whatever, right? Election comes, Trump wins. Everything turned into like the craziest hate mail. You guys are racist. Uh, people were sending us like swastikas on, uh, you know, like uh, Twitter. Like it got really, really nuts. And that's, you know, we eventually did bow down or like, listen, oh, some <laughs> maniac uh, uh, reporter for one of our big newspapers wrote this long thing on Twitter about how disgusting we are for this ad, right? Like it got like pretty crazy hate mail. And we, we said, you know, Hey, we got to take this off, off the air. It's gone a little sideways, but uh, people remember, right. And, yeah. and like the, the strategy behind our, our video ads and our commercials wasn't uh, to sell cars today. Uh, the best analogy was said at some point, there's going to be a group of guys sitting in their garage drinking beer and one of them is going to say, my car broke down. And one of his buddies are going to go, remember those commercials that we always laughed at ride time? Why don't you go see those guys, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in this 800% club that we're in together, you know, the infinite game talking about decisions down the road, we always try to think of what are we doing today is going to affect us in six months, 12 months, 24 months, right? Because we really always have been playing a longer game. And my dad, the one thing that he would have had from the franchise world is everything was a month end game, right? We, we, we've talked that if my dad would have stayed alive and we made a decision to do TV, it would have been canceled probably after month two, right? right. You're spending what? The commercials are how much, right? We sold two cars because of it. It's over, right? But it was, you know, then you touched on it earlier. Like we're goofy guys. We run our business uh, almost scientifically, right? Data has a play and role in almost everything we do, right? Mm-hmm. There is a lot of thought that goes in behind what we're trying to accomplish. But, yes, to the, the guy off the street, we're the maniac brothers of our dresses and, you know, do weird stuff, right? Dresses Donald Trump. Yeah. No, th- this is I- – I love this. It's amazing. And, and to touch on what you were just saying about this 30-day cycle, 
you know, in our, in our business as an agency, that is the thing we are trying to frame people around. Like you got to break free from this 30 day cycle because you don't know, you don't know how many interactions it's actually going to take. You don't know what life cycle customer A is in versus customer B. You don't know the impact of, of, uh, proximity of frequency, like how many times will it take them to see Andrew in a red ball gown to translate to something? Cause you, you just don't know where they're at. It reminds me of back in the day, our family business, we, we used to publish phone books, like telephone directories and stuff like that. And I remember one of the jingles my dad wrote that they put on the radio was this Oh, and it's so annoying. And and now that I've put it back in my head, it's going to be months before it <laughs> leaves. But it was just like this, I don't know, like almost cabaret sounding like, ding, 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 we've got your number, ding, ding. And it did this thing. And I remember it was the bane of my existence as a teenager until I realized that Home Hardware Canada changed their slogan to, we've got your lumber. And I was like, oh, and at some point I remember somebody reached out and they're like, yeah, no, they're, they, they've, they've heard this. We had franchises across Canada of this phone directory. So that radio commercial was getting play. And I'm like, somebody heard this and it took, a, it took a few years, but we started noticing all of the signs on home. And, and to, to this day, home hardware still has, we've got your lumber written on the side. And I thought, isn't that interesting? You don't really know. You know, even to a degree with whether you're running Facebook ads or anything like that, you don't really know what the impact is going to be in the immediate or how long it's actually going to take. So to your point, playing the infinite game really is where the focus ought to be. But I get it's tough, right? Because we, you know, we report our financials monthly, right? I know the right. uh, to a lesser degree or as strict, I guess, deadlines as uh, the franchise world does, but we still do it. You still have to be profitable. You still have monthly expenses, right? But there are there are lots of decisions that you make that, yeah, you're not going to see, you know, the reward for, you know, much, much further down the road, down the road, down the line. Yeah. I love it. Uh, man, I could talk to you guys forever. I did have 72 other questions, I wanted to ask, okay, but sorry. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I wanted to talk to you about family business, how you navigate all of that. I think I'm just going to have to have you guys back on if you're willing to come back on and we'll, we'll talk about that aspect of the business. This has been uh, tremendous. How can those listening get in touch with you guys or connect with you? Yeah, easiest would be either our Facebook or uh, we're both active on Twitter. Well, oh, I know. No. We have Twitter. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I've been active on Twitter a long time. Yeah, Facebook. I mean, Doug Mc- Facebook backslash Doug McIver. That's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. I'm I'm on there quite frequently. I mean, you can look us up on the at our store. Uh, the interesting thing about our family dynamic in our business, I actually don't deal with any customers. I'm the guy kind of behind the scenes and he's the front facing guy. So, um, yeah, we decided because I was, yeah, I was the better looking one. So that's why I get to deal with the customers. Well, more average looking is what he was actually. So it's because they, they went to YouTube before they visit your store and they're like McIver. And then they see Doug McIver, and then they just see MMA style hockey <laughs> brawls and they're like yeah we'll talk to the one with hair yeah pretty much yeah i uh i did try sales when i retired from hockey for about five minutes and uh <laughs> uh yeah i ended up having to threaten a guy on the phone because he basically stole tires from us and i'm screaming in the showroom right 
Cause he, yeah, he said, he goes, I said, where can you get free tires from? Cause he took off without paying them. And he goes, obviously from you B. And I was like, what the, so I, my, I was screaming in the showroom at this guy. And my dad comes running out of his office. And he's like, Hey, you can't be screaming at customers like that. And I'm just like picturing you with like inline skates on. So you're like doing the whole like backward skate thing, prep, prep in like to fight somebody. That's, that's hilarious. Hey, well, at least you knew what lane you were in real quick. Yeah, I was too aggressive. I could do it now. I'm used to dealing with people. But yeah, coming out of hockey and being aggressive and uh, getting into sales and, you know, not bowing down, but obviously you're trying to take care of the customer's needs and some of them are a little crazy. And right. yeah, it just uh, wasn't good for me. Well, I'm glad we connected. I'm glad to be in the, the 800% Club group with you and look forward to staying in touch. And we'd definitely love to have you back on the Dealer Playbook Podcast. Anytime. Thanks so much. I'm Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. Thanks for listening.